Welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast. If you love tennis and want to improve your game, this podcast is for you. Whether it's technique, strategy, equipment, or the mental game, tennis professional Ian Westerman is here to make you a better player. And now, here's Ian. Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Today's episode of the Essential Tennis Podcast is brought to you by SomersetSportsPerformance.com. Thank you very much for joining me today on episode number 99 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Episode 100 is just around the corner, and if you have any ideas on maybe something fun or special to do for the 100th episode, send me an email and let me know. I'm curious what you guys think about maybe something a little bit different to do for the 100th show. And to be honest, I don't have any great ideas. <laughs> and so if uh, if nobody uh, sends me any ideas uh, that I like or if I don't hear from from anybody, I'll just do a normal show as usual and and you know, I'm I'm not one to really make a, a big deal out of it or anything, but I'm curious to see if you guys have any any cool ideas on how to kind of celebrate the 100th episode. So let me know if you have any ideas. Ian at EssentialTennis.com. Well, let's get started with today's topic. It's going to be about doubles communication. Sit back, relax, and get ready for some great tennis instruction. My guest today on the podcast is a good friend of mine, a teaching professional, and also a past guest on the podcast, Mr. Mark Hamelman. Mark, welcome back to the show. Hello, Essential Tennis. What's going on? <laughs> What's going on, Ian? Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's good to have you back. It's It's been a while since I had you on the show last, and I think the last time I had you on the show, we were talking about doubles, and that's what we're going to be talking about today as well. I like talking to you about doubles because... You and I are kind of on the same page after having played together in college, and you know you're a real solid player and a and a good teacher. So I I like having you on the show to get your opinion and uh, converse about topics having to having to do with doubles. So thanks a lot for for coming back on the show. No, absolutely, anytime. I mean, you just never invited me back on. I think. Sorry, I've been slacking. <laughs> I'm just giving you time. <laughs> Yeah, no. no, that's good. Especially, uh, I, I like doubles because that's a lot of times I think people have trouble understanding it, and it's not too tough as long as you kind of grasp the idea behind where you need to be and whatnot. Um, opposed to singles, it's so wide open. Whereas doubles, strategy, especially, it's um, you know it's really beneficial. Um, so, no, this is good. Yeah, there's there's a lot of nuances to doubles. There's I mean, because you have double the uh, double the players uh, on the court, there's just a lot more going on. There's a lot more action, and I I think that for players who are not really experienced at it, it can kind of be it, it can be kind of difficult to figure out, and it's kind of easy to feel lost out there. I definitely right. remember when I started playing doubles in college. Uh, I, like a lot of college players, I. Uh, played singles in in high school exclusively and Mm -hmm. so you kind of just get thrown in there in college and I I remember kind of hating it at first but after you 
get some experience and, and you kind of watch good players, you know, around you play and, 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 uh, kind of learn the game firsthand, it, it can feel a little more comfortable, but, um, yeah, there's definitely a lot more to it than, than singles. Cause there's so much going on. Right. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, let's get to today's question and it comes to us from Dana Mark, who's in Nebraska. And Dana is definitely an important part of our, our forums. He, he posts quite a bit along with his, his uh, son, Brian. And here's his question. He said, when playing doubles, what types of communication are most helpful? I know it is good to let your partner know when you want to, when you want to switch or, what, or when you are switching. I don't, communi- I don't communicate much at all with my partner. What things are good to communicate for playing effective doubles, both between points, during points, and during changeovers? And how can I get myself and my, and my partner to communicate more during points? So let's split this up into the three categories that Dana laid out for us. And the three topics that he wanted us to talk about are what to do during points. Uh, I'm sorry, what to communicate about during points or, or when to communicate. Also between points and during changeovers as well. So let's break it down into those three categories. And we'll start off with during points and Dana mentions definitely the most common and probably the most well-known reason for communicating, and that is during a switch. Usually when you or your partner get lobbed and the net, the net player is not able to cover the lob, they're not able to get to it, and the other player ends up having to, to go cover for them. And a lot of times a, a switch is called because the, the off player is going back behind the net player to cover that lob. And so th- this is probably the, the most well-known type of communication. Why don't you go ahead and throw out, throw out one other example, Mark, or something that comes to mind right away when you think about communicating during a doubles point. Okay. Um, yeah, another obvious one is balls down the middle of the court. Um, you know, who's going to take it, forehand, backhand, um, you know, uh, just general balls that, could go either way, um, especially lobs and overheads, um, short lobs, you know, um, just, yeah, any ball that either partner could get, I I would definitely recommend communicating, even if it's fairly obvious, you know, one thing I tell a lot of my lessons is that you really can't over communicate in doubles, um, any ball down the middle of the court, especially, um, definitely tell all my lessons. Just, just throw it out there. Let, let them know you've got it. If anything, you know you, your partner can get out of the way. Um, so, so that's one definitely. Uh, and I think that's you know fair, fairly uh, straightforward. You know, I got it. You got it. Um, keep it short and to the point. I, I've heard a lot of different expressions, but you know, <laughs> if anything, just just, just let them know uh, that you know it's yours or mine. And um, you know, I, I see way too many balls even at it decent level oh i thought you had that ball you know and they kind of laugh yeah. at each other and then i yeah. kind of laugh with them ah, that's funny and in my head i'm thinking uh i saw you <laughs> ten thousand times stop laughing and hit the ball <laughs> yeah um, it, se- so that's, it seems that's like a, it, it probably seems like a really obvious one to a lot of listeners but i totally agree that i see it way too often as i'm teaching and as i watch club matches it happens way too much that both players say nothing uh, on a ball down the middle. And you're right, whether it be a drive, uh, you know, a passing shot attempt down the middle or a lob, it doesn't matter. I see it way too often that both players kind of make the assumption 
that the mm-hmm. other person is going to get it and both just kind of stand there and kind of stare at each other as the ball you know goes down the middle and that's that's a crappy way to lose a doubles points you guys and i'm gonna say my theory on this mark and i'm gonna talk about the the ball that's driven first down the middle and i'm curious mm-hmm. to see what your uh your thoughts are on uh my my opinion of that but i i think i think amateur players way too often are concerned with stuff like whose forehand is down the middle um i i I think that most of the time that the player who's closest to the net should be taking it regardless of, of forehand or backhand. And I find that a lot of club players are kind of surprised when I tell them that. Uh, but I think that takes away a lot of the guesswork of, of whose it is. I, I feel like amateur players a lot of time times get really caught up with minor details. Again, like the forehand or the backhand volley um, or you know whose side it's on. In my opinion, if you're closer than your partner and you're able to reach it, you're able to get to it. Most of the time, you should you should be going for it, kind of no questions asked. And if you mm-hmm. if you end up not being able to make a play at it, then uh, your your partner who's a little bit farther behind you, or maybe even back on the baseline, hopefully made a move as well, and they'll be able to cover it. But I think when the ball is driven down the middle specifically, I don't think there should be a, a whole lot of talking. There's not a lot of time. I think both players should probably go for it, and whoever's closest usually uh, should take it if it's at all possible. What, what do you think about that, yeah. Mark? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, one thing you know, and a lot of uh, a lot of people end up hearing is, "Oh, forehand takes middle." And yeah. yes, that's true if you're both even. You know, you're both equally at yeah. the baseline. <laughs> but or, how or how often does that actually happen, though? Right. Exactly. I mean, you you really both shouldn't be both at the baseline, or you're probably losing a lot of points. I mean, it happens, but. Uh, yeah, if let's say I've got a backhand volley and my partner's a right and he's got a forehand ground stroke, I don't care. I'm taking the backhand volley. You know, even if my weakness and let's say my my partner's strength is the forehand, I'm still hitting my backhand volley. It's just a better play. Um, so yeah, definitely net person or even the closer net person takes it first, and then worst case scenario, it goes back to the back person. Um, I mean, who knows? Let's let's say you're you're going for the volley, you miss it. Since you're the closest person, I mean, your partner should have you backed up. So there's really no argument that I can hear against uh, what you know what we're saying is that the closest person should take you know the ball. I agree. And now let's talk about the other kind of type of shot that could be down the middle, and that's the lob, which definitely throws mm-hmm. a, a couple more variables in there because there's so much time that both players have to be able to react to the ball. Um, and I think this is a little more tricky than the drive, where uh, as as both of us uh, just said, you, you guys should be using the person who's closest to the net to to try to cut that shot off uh, as often as possible. On the lob, when you guys have some more time uh, to actually set up and hopefully take an overhead, I, I think there's a couple more things that come into play. Um, if you're both right-handed, or, or you know, if you're weird enough to both be left-handed then um, I, I think that whoever is most easily able to get a forehand overhead on the ball should probably take it. And I think this is where communication really is is very, very crucial because on, on a lot of these shots, uh, the lobs down the middle, it's probably really possible that both p- people could have a play on it. Um, and I think this is a little bit subjective uh, for both players, and I think somebody just needs to take charge as quickly as possible most of the time. Um, kind of like you know, outfielders in baseball uh, calling each other off. Which whichever person feels most comfortable, I think, 
really needs to take charge both vocally and physically uh, and, and really take the shot. I think a lot of times club level players almost kind of try to try to get into a discussion and, <laughs> you know, we'll be like, yeah, you got it. You know, you know, when the ball goes up, I, I, you got it. And, you know, and it, it, there's yeah, kind of yeah. some confusion. Uh, I, I think that if you guys are going to do anything, just be assertive um, and either say yours or mine or, or I got it or, I mean, I got it would be probably the best. Or if you just don't feel comfortable, uh, say yours uh, and, and let your partner take it. But I think probably the key is to do it as quickly as possible. What do you think, Mark? Yeah, definitely. I mean, whatever you're doing has to be done right away. And your first movement will probably come before anything because it comes out of your mouth anyways because, you know, you're going to have an initial reaction. So both players, I think initially, and this comes for almost any shot, should be going after the ball. Uh, you know, and then, you know, I think the verbal should come very quickly later, um, soon after that. And, you know, then one person gets the heck out of the way. Um, you know, one example is my partner in college, uh, after you, Ian, was Kyle. And he had a great overhead. And yeah. overhead's not my best shot. So, <laughs> you know, he had no, he had no problem, you know. Mark, what about, uh, and, what about your shirt? Out of the way. What about your sharp uh, angle slice uh, overhead, Mark? Didn't you like that shot? Yeah, that's, that's for another podcast, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I quickly learned that, you know, it's not my best shot. There's, not, there's nothing wrong with that, you know. And, and he would say mine, and I was completely fine with that. And I just literally duck sometimes to get out of that, you know, get out of the way. Um, yeah. But, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. And a lot of that, too, is that we played together for a full year or two and you know it's just kind of understood any overhead that was kind of down the middle was his and even even some balls that were on maybe my half you know that with a little time and since we've been playing enough uh he would take them and you know i was completely fine by that and there's even a couple times where it would clearly be on my half and he would say mine <laughs> uh and i would literally calm off and be like, no, I got it, you know, because sure, yeah. that's one thing too, is if the ball's on your half, it's, it's, it's supposed to be yours, uh, you know, unless you hear otherwise. Um, so I think it happens a couple times where, you know, my partner will say, oh, I got it. And then I calm off. You're like, no, I got it, you know, and there's still a little time for him to get back into position. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're constantly communicating, especially on, you know, lobs. Um, even if it's obvious, you know, I mean, you know, just make the effort, say something. Um, and too often, you know, I, I hear nothing. Yeah. And, and those of you listening, sh- hopefully you watch doubles on TV at least once in a while. I, I know that it's not on terribly often, but when you guys do watch professional level doubles, or maybe if you get a chance to watch a college match or, you know, some kind of, of high level of tennis, these are, these are players who have, tons of playing experience with each other whether just in practice or actual competitive matches and they are talking constantly and it's it's interesting to me that typically the lower the level of doubles player in tennis the less they talk when in fact it should be the opposite that you know these are probably players who have not played together very much uh, in fact they're probably switching partners often and these are players who are obviously not as confident with their strokes as, you know, obviously a professional player or a, a top level college player. And yet there's such a lack of communi- communication and Dana is being very honest 
by saying, you know, I really don't talk much at all. I, I don't communicate very much with my partner at all. Well, th- this is a way that Dana, you, and, and all the rest of our listeners can absolutely set yourselves apart by, you know, Mark said a couple of minutes ago, kind of over-communicate. And when you guys watch top players on TV, they're constantly talking during points, between points, during changeovers, you know, all, all the different examples Dana gave. Um, and th- this, you know, easy overhead is a great example of that. And like Mark said, either player can take it. It, it. There's a lot of different variables that come into play, but the the big thing here is communicate, you know, as often as possible. Whenever there's any doubt at all, uh, and even if you and I like what you said, Mark. Even if you think it's obvious, go ahead and just just communicate something uh, and say if you've got it. Uh, I definitely will say I got it when the ball is you know, directly to me. And it's like the easiest overhead in the world. I will still call it because it just takes care of any possible confusion. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good question. All right. So, um, I've got two other examples here of, uh, during point communication that I think could be helpful uh, for Dana. One would be after putting up a weak lob. If, uh, let's say you and I are playing Mark and, Maybe uh, I'm returning serve, and our opponent has hit a really good serve to me, and I, I'm you know doing all I can just to kind of touch it, and I and I throw up a lob. Um, there's nothing wrong, guys, with with letting your partner know that you're about to put them in a tough spot, as long as you don't wait until just before your opponent hits uh, hits the overhead and slams it at your partner, which you know it's obviously too late anyway. But what do you think about letting your partner know, Mark, when you put up a kind of a sitter? And your your partner is about to be a, a sitting target. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, whoever hits the shot, they know that their shot's not good. They're the first one to know the quality of yeah. their shot. You know, so sure. if it's a weak lob, you know, definitely I'll let my partner know if anything, just so they can get the heck out of the way. But more often than not, they'll hopefully get three, four steps back. They won't get back to the baseline most likely, but they'll probably get no man's land. And that's one of the few times where I'd say it's better to be in no man's land than, you know, a service line because you're returning an overhead and it gives you at least a couple of steps to react. And, and if anything, your partner will, will like you because you're, they're not having an overhead get hit right at them. Um, because that's <laughs> right. the correct place, you know, as, as we've talked about in previous podcasts, that's the correct place that your opponent should be hitting the ball right, right at you. So. Um, yeah, definitely. If my if my partner uh, lets me know, I'll I'll back up a little bit, and you know, a lot of times I'll get a racket on, and who knows, still win the point. Uh, sure, absolutely. And and uh, a good way to let your partner know is, uh, I mean, myself personally, I'll just say short. You know, I'll, I'll call out short as soon as I realize that the ball has come weakly off my racket, and it's going to be a weak shot, especially if it's a high shot. Uh, I'll just say short to my partner so that they know it's about to be a weak shot. Um, any mm-hmm. sp- any special way that you communicate that, Mark? Uh, yeah, uh, like backup partner, uh, yeah, that definitely works too. Um, and, and okay. one other thing is if your partner is doing the correct thing, he's not even going to know it's a weak lob at all because he shouldn't be looking back. So yeah, I think a lot of you point. are saying, well, I'll, I'll see that he had, he had a weak lob. Well, you really shouldn't because you shouldn't be looking backwards, you know, on a return of serve or any time your partner's hitting. So if your partner's doing the right thing, you absolutely have to let them know what's going on because they're going to have no idea until the ball is being hit at them, basically. Yeah, I agree. Uh, one more situation here where, where I personally like to talk uh, during points, um, and that is kind of to give encouragement uh, to my partner. I tend to be, during competition, pretty 
animated and and fiery, which is interesting because it's kind of the opposite of my uh, my personality. But but Mark right. knows that I <laughs> I really get pretty into matches a lot of times. Um, and let's say for example, um, a, a weak volley has been hit, or maybe a drop volley, or or an angle volley, and it's obviously a, a well hit shot uh, to my partner's side, and they're starting to go for it, but it's going to be really difficult. A lot of times I like to kind of, you know, shout a word, word of encouragement, you, know, you got it, or, you know, go, or something like that uh, to, mm-hmm. to kind of spur them on. And this, this might not be for everybody's partner, um, but uh, I, I kind of like to be vocal like that and kind of uh, uh, kind of give my partner a kick in the pants sometimes when they're, when they're really hustling for a shot and, and working hard. Um, right. Any other circumstances like that or maybe comment on that circumstance? Uh, no, that that one's good too. I mean, I think that's almost more of a byproduct of your enthusiasm than, you know, helping them get to the ball. But um, it definitely can't hurt. And you know, I do the same thing too. Um, you know, just you know, get there, go, go. You know, um, yeah. who knows? Maybe you see that it's a drop shot or or whatnot before your partner does. Um, yeah, sure. But yeah, I mean, I I do the same thing. Um, so you know, that's good too. I, I say one thing too is there's there's maybe few times and maybe this we could probably fill up another podcast with this where it's not good communi- to communicate to your partner for example you know telling them okay. where they should be standing you know sometimes i see you know, scoot up scoot up you know um and that's not super beneficial to what you know you have to worry about what you're doing you shouldn't be telling your partner what what he should be doing uh in certain circumstances like that do you mean during a point or, or between points? Uh, no, during points, you know. Okay, um, all right, yeah. You know, like, scoot up on there, you know. You know <laughs> that, should be, that should definitely happen after a point or maybe after a match. You know, I, I, you know, give me a hint, you know. Hey, maybe, you know, you, you should, uh, you know, move up a couple steps or, you know. A lot of times, you know, I see unnecessary communication sometimes, too. Um, but... Uh, Overall, I would say the lack of communication is definitely there. Um, I don't see that quite as often. Yeah, let's save that topic for a different. I know what you're talking about. You're you're mm-hmm. basically saying kind of the overbearing uh, partner right. who's you know kind of trying to coach you know coach their doubles partner and kind of you know like the right. person in your golf for some who's like trying to fix your stroke you know <laughs> while you're trying to play. Oh, um, that's a great analogy. Yeah, and that's you. I'm, it, I think there's a fine line there. I, I think you want to, uh, you know, be on the same page with your partner and, and definitely talk about tactics. And, and maybe they're doing something that's being detrimental. I, I think there's a certain mm-hmm. way that you can definitely approach that and and end up being a you know a good call and, and help out you know help out uh-huh. your your chances of winning a match. But if it's a constant thing. Uh, and, and you're, you know, constantly telling your partner, oh, you, you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to, you know, change where you're aiming that shot, or you've got to swing, you know, certainly you should not be saying you should swing this way. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that can that can definitely be detrimental for sure. Yeah, yeah, I just wanted to put it out there because I, I know maybe a lot of our essential tennis uh, listeners are going out and then just yelling at the bar. <laughs> not, not that I yeah. would, but uh, I just want to make not. it clear, you know, there's definitely times. And I... I one just came popped in my head too, um, that you can let your partner know, but let's say a hard shot's coming at them, they're at the net. And I'm sure we talked about this before on the podcast, but um just let them know, just let it go. Because a lot of times from uh, where yeah. you're standing, you you have a better angle. And 
sometimes all I get out of my mouth is, you know, let it, you know, and, you know, that's one of the few times where tell your partner that, hey, I think it's going out. Um, and so that's maybe a, a fifth way that uh, you can communicate with your partner, which is good, which um, which is a good yeah. way to let them know, hey, don't hit this up. Just make sure it's going out, I guess. No, that's a great one. I, I'm uh, I'm glad that you thought about that. Uh, the way I usually communicate that is just by yelling no. <laughs> you know, right, kind of works. call them off. You're like, no, don't, you know, meaning don't hit it. Um, and yeah, I, I agree with what you said that you should probably really be pretty sure about it to call them off, uh, uh-huh. as they're getting, as they're getting ready to hit the shot. Um, cause it can be disruptive, but if you know, it's going out, uh, it's, it's not always, like you said, it's not always obvious to them. So mm-hmm. over communicates. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's been a couple of times where my partner has his racket up and I, it just comes out and I'll let it and yeah, it, it yeah. fails two feet long and he just kind of smiles at me and goes, well, I was about to hit that. <laughs> when I know. Sure. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's definitely another way to, you know, improve your communication. All right, let's move on to our next topic, which is what to talk about between points and what you guys should be doing between points is, is definitely encouraging each other, trying to keep a a positive attitude and, uh, definitely positive uh, communication. Uh, you should never be showing your partner any uh, negative reactions, um, we've talked about that on different mental tennis, uh, podcasts. Uh, but besides that, there's a lot of tactical things that are definitely beneficial things such as where you're going to aim your serve, uh, whether it be at the body, down the middle, out wide, um, you can talk about poaching. Maybe you're going to, uh, fake and, and stay, or maybe you're going to actually, you know, plan on crossing over and cutting off the serve. So, and that's something you're definitely going to want to let your partner know so that they cover behind you. Um, and there's other things as well. What, what are some things that come to, to mind right away, Mark, as far as communication in between points? Um, yeah, I mean, just being positive, I think, uh, and it's not talking to body language. Um, you know, sometimes you, I like to run back to my partner, you know, uh, yeah. after good or bad point, you know, you see the Brian brothers, you know, sprinting sometimes in between points, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, I love it when my partner comes over and says, great shot, or, you know, we'll get this one, you know, um, knowing that he's into it. Um, so I think, you know, nonverbal cues, too, um, help out a lot. But, yeah, definitely, in between every point, uh, I, I would at least make eye contact, you know, let your partner know what's going on. I mean, even if you're using signals, that's one thing I hear a lot is a lot of people say, well, I use signals, you know. Um, I, don't, I don't need to talk to my partner in between points, you know. Well, you see, Still give them something, you know. I, I don't know why. Maybe it's it's just a routine or a habit, but um, you know, it's a habit that a lot of good tennis players have. Yeah, I, I think it's good emotional supports, and I definitely from personal experience, I know that after a double fault or after a missed, you know, let's say return to serve, you know, just a, a often easy, often easy serve, definitely after an easy mistake. I, it, I really appreciate it when my partner, you know, makes the effort. And I like how how you're talking about, you know, actually like jogging back or, or you know, running back to the to the baseline to be like, all right, come on, let's go. Um, that that just shows so much uh, support and, and and kind of positive energy. And speaking from experience, that helps a great deal. Um, you you were always good at that, Mark. You're a good supporter. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I sometimes I have to be in. <laughs> nice. Good one, Mark. Sometimes, yeah, but, yeah, 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 you, you did. Little, little <laughs> big there, little big. <laughs> I remember sometimes I'd run back in and I'd I put my hand up, give you a high five. Usually, sometimes after a point that we lost, 
And you would smack my hand so hard that I actually <laughs> maybe stopped being that for a little bit because I wasn't ready for the next point. Um, but, uh, yeah. Sorry, Mike. Definitely. Yeah, no problem. You, you, you had a good thing there. Um, but yeah, definitely. Uh, even in those circumstances, even sometimes I think you didn't want me going back there. I, I still made an appearance. Yeah. No, you know what? I think that's a good point. Uh, and even if your your partner is seemingly in a in a bad mood, I mean, if if you just kind of let them be on their own and kind of let them sulk back there on the baseline, chances are they're probably not going to pull out of it on their own. Uh, and so, I mean, I mean, be a good partner and and do your best. And it might not help immediately, but if you continue to support them and, and you continue to stay positive, that's probably going to be your best chance to, uh, to to turn things around, at least for your partner, and and hopefully, you know give them some positive energy and, and get them back into the match. But, but yeah, that's yeah. definitely something that I, you know, I definitely need, uh, myself personally. I, I, again, my tendency is to be, you know, pretty intense and, and, you know, really into it. I, I kind of have big ups and downs. Uh, that's kind of my personality on the court, which I've been working on a lot <laughs> recently, yeah. uh, since college. Cause I, you know, since then I, I've really realized that it, that's been a big, uh, thing that has definitely held me back. But, um, if your partner is like that, they, they, they really would appreciate some support, even if it doesn't look like they do overtly. Uh, if you just leave them alone, they're probably going to feel worse about themselves. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, now let's, well, one more thing before we talk about during changeovers, and that's um, tactically, I think you guys should be talking about your opponent's strengths, their weaknesses. Uh, what strategies that they're trying to implement. You should be, you know, talking to your partner and saying, hey, you know, I, I noticed that they're trying to do this uh, when you serve on the ad side, et cetera, um, and notice their tendencies, you know, what shots they like to try so that you guys can t- talk about that and, and as a team start to anticipate and, and play together and, and kind of form a strategy around that. Uh, if you guys don't talk about those things, a lot of times it won't be till after the match that you realize Oh crap! You know, when whenever they were up in a game, uh, they always you know hit hard down the middle on return of serve, or when they were down, they they like to lob you know on the ad side or something like that. Um, if you guys don't talk about that stuff, uh, a lot of times it'll kind of pass you by, and you just don't pay much attention to it. So I think tactically, uh, players should be talking a lot as well. Mm-hmm. Anything yeah, to add to that really before we go to the that. last? Uh, okay. <laughs> nothing really to add to that. Okay. All right, so um, changeovers. This will be our last uh, last little bit. And, I, you know, personally, what I wrote down here on my little outline is I think that changeovers should, should kind of be a time to relax and, and kind of unplug a little bit and, and just, um, you know, it just kind of take a little break and take a little time out. I, I think that there's a lot of intensity. Well, maybe I'm just speaking from my own experience, but, uh, you know, during games, I, I tend to be pretty intense once again. And I think it's good to just kind of sit, relax for 30 seconds, you know, get some water and then, you know, kind of get up, kind of refreshed again and, and get back into it. Um, I think it might be dangerous to um, stay up and fully alert, you know, all the time and not give yourself a little break to, to calm down and relax a bit. Um, but maybe you have a, you know, different point of view on that, Mark. What, what do you think? Uh, yeah, no, definitely. Um, you shouldn't be talking too much tactics. Uh, on changeovers, you know, maybe simple things, but hopefully going into the match, you had some stuff that you want to do. Um, yeah, definitely, it's definitely time for yourself. Um, yeah, a lot of times I see people overanalyzing things on changeovers. We need to do this, we need to yeah. do that. 
you know, I like to give my partner simple reminders, like let's say it's, it's his turn to serve, you know, okay, last the first serve this game. Um, sure. You know, just keep, keep it simple. Because, um, yeah, I mean, you're into the match, like you said, um, there's not a lot of time out during matches because in between points we're, we're doing lots of stuff too that we talked about. So changeover is kind of time to, you know, grab your drink, um, keep your mind fresh, maybe go over one or two things at most, you know, and yeah, and then once it's time, get up and get out there. Good stuff. Well, I'm going to wrap up the uh, the topic with that. And Dana, hopefully that that answers your questions and, and gives you a good kind of broad overview of communication in general. Mark and I went over some of those things kind of quickly and, and went into more detail on others. If any of you listening would like more details on any of those specific topics, definitely let me know. But I think that was a, a good general outline of, of what you guys should be doing during a doubles match. And obviously, you know, I, I don't know how many individual ways to communicate you and I just talked about, Mark, but there's obviously a lot of different circumstances and ways and reasons that we should be talking during a doubles match. And, and so hopefully our listeners got a lot of, uh, out of this. But Mark, thanks, thanks very much for your insight as always. It was good to talk to you about this. And I look forward to having you back on the show again soon. No, absolutely. It'll be good. Thanks very much for joining myself and Mark on today's show. And for today's shout-out, I'd like to give a a shout-out to a very special group of people. Myself and Mark just finished the second Essential Tennis Clinic in Palm Springs, California yesterday. Um, It was on the 2nd and 3rd of January, and we had 12 people come out for a clinic uh, that myself and Mark uh, ran. And and first of all, Mark, I'd like to thank you for the time that you put in. I I would not have been able to make the event a success without you. So thanks very much for the, the time and the effort that you put into it. And myself and everybody who attended really appreciated it so th- thanks very much no no absolutely i'm still waiting for the car you promised me though is that coming Wait, you say car or a card a car oh i said card sorry oh well oh that changes things well <laughs> i thought a good time <laughs> no it was, well, thank- it was a good time um i definitely like uh, giving instruction to people who are really looking for it because, you know, half the time it's, it's kind of, uh, not, you know, I'm saying something to somebody and it's kind of like I'm going through the motions and this was definitely not the case. Yeah. And with that, I I want to, to recognize everybody who attended the clinic and I completely agree with Mark. These are people who went out of their way to, to come to, to California. Most everybody was not from California. They traveled from somewhere other in the country and these are people who have a big passion for the game. Uh, they, they love the sports. Um, you guys all worked very hard. And um, a, Mark and I just had a, a really good time working with all of you. Um, so Angie, Nikki, Sherry, John, Mark, Lynn, Chrissy, Brian, Ben, Gary, Toby, and Noam. You guys were all awesome. Thanks very much. And uh, people traveled again from all over. Uh, we had pe- uh, attendees from... Pennsylvania, Utah, Louisiana, Arizona, Texas, Illinois, Oklahoma, and two people from California as well. So people really came from all over the the country to attend, and 
it just really makes it exciting for myself and Mark to to do what we do and and teach. And so, I guess we're we're great to work with. Um, mm-hmm. Anything else, Mark? Before we wrap it up. No, I mean uh, for those of you that didn't make it, uh, you should definitely look into it. I mean, it's for for the money, especially it's a great deal. I mean, how many times? I think one of the, our best sessions was the video session, and I, I don't think too many teaching pros are going through the hassle of doing that, stopping analyzing your strokes. I mean, so that alone, uh, I think, was worth it for for a lot of people who made it to the clinic. I mean, I think everyone had a great time too, but they got a lot out of it. Yeah, we we really. I mean, I, I did my best to try to cover a little bit of everything. And um, on Saturday, we worked on technique. We did uh, work on ground strokes and uh, volleys as well. So we we did kind of a an overall technique day on Saturday. Um, on Sunday, we worked on strategy, both singles and doubles. And as Mark is talking about, we did a video analysis session as a group in the conference room at the hotel where we were staying. Um, so we all sat down together and, and reviewed stroke technique and also uh, singles and doubles strategy, uh, all all tape that I had filmed the day before of the attendees. So yeah, that's something I'm going to continue doing uh, in future clinics. And if you're interested in participating in one of these, just make sure that you keep on listening to the newest podcasts. And in the near future, I'm going to have a section on the website where you guys will be able to view upcoming clinics and you'll be able to sign up on EssentialTennis.com for upcoming clinics. And I'm looking to do another Palm Springs clinic in probably the fall of 2010. So I'm looking forward to that. And Mark, hopefully you can help us out for that one as well. That's good. 